I'm Pastor Lisa, and I want to welcome you to worship with us this morning. It is a, a dreary, rainy, yucky day here in South Florida, but guess what? We still don't have snow, so we're good. We're happy. We're grateful. So if you'll please join and stand with us in worship and sing along as, as we just revel in God's amazing grace. Lord, we thank you for a wonderful day. We thank you, God, for bringing us together one more time in your house of worship, Lord. We pray today, God, that you'll have your way in this place. Let our worship experience, Lord, be an experience, Lord, that we will long for always. Have your way, we pray, in Jesus' name. And all God's people say, amen. amen. Worthy is the king who conquered the grave. Worthy 
Amen. You may be seated. God is awesome in this place, and aren't we fortunate to be here to worship together? I want to take a minute to share with you, we've been sharing what we call PEGs, um, pray, engage, give, and serve, and there are ways for you to stay connected to the church and to be um, active in worship, whether you're online watching from home or whether you're here in the sanctuary with us. And so today I wanted to highlight, we have, um, every year, we do an angel tree. And we do it a little differently every year. This year, we will be taking an angel and buying a $25 gift card to Walmart or Target specifically. Um, we find that that's what our families need the most. And bring it back in, and we will go ahead and get those out to the kids who are both in our foster program through the Florida United Methodist Children's Home and through those kids in the Nourishing Lives and Pakistan programs that we know have, um, especially over the holidays, have a little bit of an extra need. And so if you can help us with that in any way, shape, or form, if it's praying about it, if it's actually picking up an angel, if it's donating online, however you can do that, we would love to have you help us. We have 242 children in just the Nourishing Lives portion of the program alone. So you see that we have a big task before us. But I will tell you, this church has never failed to meet that number and to have available for those kids what they need every single time. And I'm so honored to be a part of this family that is so mission-minded. So if you can get those in before December 12th, so that would be much appreciated. And I'm going to ask Pastor Peyton to come up and do the morning prayer, please. Thank you, Pastor Lisa, and thank you, everyone. Um, it is true. We have never had to say no to a family or to a child, and that's in large part thanks to the generous hearts and of all of those in this co congregation and community who help support our angel tree. So thank you in advance. Today, um, the last Sunday before Advent, Advent begins right after um, Thanksgiving, is called Christ the King, or Reign of Christ Sunday. And today I'm going to be sharing a prayer uh, from Roddy Hamilton, um, that is a Christ the King Sunday prayer. So please bow your heads with me. Create a throne room for yourself here, O Christ, but let it be the empty seat beside the anxious, the lonely chair next to the confused, the vacant pew next to the hungry, and reign. O Jesus, as sovereign over the forgotten, may your reign be a mockery to the world, but good news to those who seek out truth. And may we join them in the search, finding your walking the streets or breaking bread or sitting by bedsides. May we find you in border areas on the edges of things, crossing over with the foreigner. May we find you among children, learning to finger paint as teachers to those who long to enjoy life again. May we find you, O Lord, with the worried silenced with nothing to say and space enough to keep it. May we find you on the wrong side of the tracks, going where you should not, and finding a place to lay your head among the lost. May we find you singing our songs of justice and of peace and removing your crown to do so. May we find you with a word that lives in the hope of the afraid and a comforting peace for those who are broken. May we find you laughing at the powerful unnerving of what folks think so secure while welcoming those who have nothing into your throne room. 
O Jesus, reigning in the world with your upside down kingdom, may we find the faith to stand with you, sovereign of life and servant of all. Hear us, Father, as we pray the way you taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And give us this day our daily bread as we confess our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. Would you stand with us as we sing? Fill me with your spirit. 
Oh, Lord, fill us with your spirit. As we gather this morning, help us to hear your word in a new and different, exciting way. Help us to strengthen our hearts by your love, Lord. Amen. So our passage this morning is from 1 Thessalonians, and I picked it just to prove I could say it. Um, It is Paul's first letter. It's the earliest evidence of the existence of Christianity. How cool is that? Um, If you were to put it in chronological order, it would come before the Gospels. Um, And its authorship is uncontested. In other words, scholars agree that Paul wrote this. So it makes it a little more powerful for us today to know all that. So our passage is, how can we thank God enough for you? Given all the joy we have because of you before our God. Night and day we pray more than ever to see all of you in person and to complete whatever you still need for your faith. Now may our God and Father himself guide us on our way back to you. May the Lord cause you to increase and enrich your love for each other and for everyone in the same way as we also love you. May the love cause your hearts to be strengthened, to be blameless in holiness before our God and Father, when our Lord Jesus Christ comes with all his people. Amen. Amen. So this is the perfect introduction to Paul's letters. Um, If you've never read them, it's short enough to read in one sitting. You know, we would call it a a soundbite, right? Um, It's that perfect little piece to give you an idea of who Paul was and what he stood for. It's written to Gentile believers in Israel's God and Jesus as his son, and it's profoundly pastoral. Paul really cares about these people. He highlights faith and love and hope as gifts that come from God, not as human attributes. And in this section, he offers gratitude for the believers, an encouragement for them to grow in their love for each other as God has loved them, so they should love others too, right? Paul's expression of thanksgiving and love is so powerful. We could almost read this as a love letter to those believers, and and perhaps to us as well. Especially this time of year with the holidays approaching, we can appreciate Paul's deep desire to visit the people he has come to love. Um, I think we we feel even more appreciative after spending the past couple of years facing the challenges of a pandemic. We've been missing the live in-person connections with each other. I know I went almost two years without seeing my mother. She didn't even get to meet her new granddaughter until she was 16 months old. And I know you have stories, right? You've all experienced some of this in person, being unable to connect. I know how Paul felt to be far away and separated from the people that he cared about. Um, I was 19 when I moved to Florida. Um, We moved because of my husband's job. He, He decided he wanted to be a police officer. And so to have job security, we picked the three highest crime areas we could think of to move to. So Miami Beach at the time in the early 80s, many of you would know, was um, the Wild West of the world. And so we ended up down here. 
But all of my family still lived in Massachusetts. And as you can imagine, we really couldn't afford the travel back and forth um, often, especially once we had kids. Um, some of you remember how expensive long distance phone calls used to be, right? So we didn't even really call each other. And other people are saying, what? Long distance phone call, what's that? Um, but we wanted to keep the connections. And especially as my sister and I, we were pregnant together. We had our first children within two months of each other. And so we were close because of that. And the kids are close in age because of that. And so we would be creative about having her kids come down for a few weeks and my kids go up for a few weeks. We wanted to make sure to keep that connection. And it was complicated and tricky and expensive. But the kids who are all now grown with kids of their own are still connected in a really special way. You know, Jack, my grandson, talks about his cousins as if they're brothers and siblings, you know. Paul loved the, the people there. He loved the people. He loved them like family. They had a special, close relationship. They supported him financially, um, mentally, spiritually. And I mentioned to read it like a love letter, and maybe you know what I mean. So reading it over and over again to be freshly encouraged and to find those little hidden meanings behind the words, right? Um, Revel in the love and care when somebody writes you something like this. It's a big deal. And note that the mutual love stems from God's love for all. So we have this, this vertical love, right, between God and us. And then we have this horizontal love between us and others. And Paul prays that God increase our love for each other as God loves us. That requires a lot from us, doesn't it, when you think about it? We're to live out that love, that gift from God in our everyday lives. Paul cultivates that love with three things. Um, I'm sure you can think of others, but we're going to pick three today in the, in the um, idea that you don't want to sit here for two more hours and listen to this babbling person, right? <laughs> so we're going to pick three. Um, his three things are thanksgiving or gratitude, right? Um, encouragement and prayer. Thanksgiving. So Paul... Thanks, the Thessalonians, for all the joy we feel before God because of you. The discipline of giving thanks to God, of giving thanks to and for others, helps us to see them differently. It opens our eyes to see them the way God does. We're more likely to treat somebody with love and compassion if we know how much love and compassion we've received. Uh, just like we're more likely to be forgiving if we know how much we've been forgiven. One author calls it Thanksgiving therapy. I love that. <laughs> it strengthens our ability to see others as God sees us. Having an attitude of gratitude changes the way we see others and how we respond to their needs. So it's more than just words. It requires action. We have to take the time to notice God working around and through other people and make note of those moments where gratitude is displayed. Um, I don't know if you saw on the news just the other day, there was a story about um, Dexter Dennis, anybody? A basketball player for Wichita um, State University. And so he leads the team, he helps to lead the team to this victory that gets them into a tournament in Vegas. But instead of hanging around to boast or instead of going off and celebrating with his teammates, what you see in the video after the game is him 
hanging around to help clean the arena. He's walking around picking up trash. And he didn't, he didn't boast about it. He wasn't um, being punished. Nobody asked him to do it. He just said that you know, he didn't do it for attention. But it helped him to clean because it helped him have perspective. Gratitude in action. Being appreciative of what, of what gifts he's been given, what he's been able to do in giving back to the community. So I can get a warm, fuzzy feeling, right? Oh, Lord, I'm so grateful. Thank you so much. But if I don't change the way I behave, is it really gratitude? So I am a quirk. <laughs> I know right now you're thinking, really, only one? Because <laughs> I know at least two, Lisa, right? Um, I'm neurotic. I'm going to make Peyton laugh right now. I'm neurotic about expiration dates on food labels. Super neurotic about it. I cannot. I, if you ask me, can I smell this, see if it's good? I am not the one to ask that. And I will not be tasting it. Peyton, she'll do it every time, not me. Especially dairy products. Grosses me out entirely. But oddly, this gives me this huge opportunity to be grateful. Every time I realize I have a choice, I can choose not to eat those expired items. Right? I'm so grateful. Perhaps you have a food you really dislike. So can you remind yourself to be grateful every time that you don't have to eat it? You know, those lima beans, you can give them to the dog. You don't have to eat them, right? And to carry my gratitude further, I remind myself not only to donate food, but to donate food that is fresh and that I would eat myself. It makes sense, right? I recognize that God has allowed me to exercise options that others may not have. And so I donate to Nourishing Lives or to a food pantry. And I keep that in mind. Gratitude in action. The second one is encouragement. It's clear from the text, Paul and Timothy and the others have been giving constant encouragement to the Thessalonians. See, I can still say it. It's good. Not only encouraging them to stand firm in faith and in mission, but also to persist in love no matter what. If we're to persist in a course of faithfulness, we need to build each other up. So I was looking through and I found a blogger. I know who'd have thought I had that technical ability, right? Um, her name is Lisa Bartlett. And she writes five steps to become an encourager, even if you don't think of yourself as one. Um, some of you know I'm a card writer, so you'll see why this caught my attention. So the first one is assume everyone needs encouragement. It turns out people who, who seem like they're confident in living out God's calling need encouragement too. Everyone needs encouragement in some way or another, she says. If you know even one person, you know someone who needs encouragement. Anyone here feel like they never need encouragement? We always do. Notice people, she says, and she says, I know it sounds a little creepy, but it's basically how I spend my life. I watch people all the time, and people tell you a lot without saying anything. Chances are if you start looking around, you'll find somebody who needs encouragement. So start looking. She says, do one easy thing now. Texts and Facebook messages are easy for her. She says she sends off an encouraging text or a Facebook post in a matter of seconds. Um, sometimes it's all the time she has, she says. And then do one harder thing later. 
Writing letters and notes to people is harder because it takes more time and it costs a stamp and you have to walk to the mailbox and plan ahead and she goes on and on. Talking to people in person, even harder. But I don't have an address for everyone in the world, so when I talk to people, I try to be encouraging. So maybe I write a note one week to someone just because, or maybe I get over my introverted nature and tell the woman cleaning the play area at the Chick-fil-A that I appreciate her work. Or maybe I do like my friend Carolyn hand out restaurant gift cards to the garbage collectors at Christmas, because Lord knows that's a job we underappreciate. And then last, she says, equip yourself. I'm much more likely to encourage if I feel prepared, if I have a stash of cards and postcards. But you don't have to be equipped with stuff. You can equip yourself with words. Practice saying thank you, or I appreciate you, or gosh, that job might seem lame, but you're doing great work. I don't know about that one. <laughs> Pack a little extra tip money the next time you go out to eat. Listen to other people, encourage each other, and learn from them. It's not hard, but it does take work. And she says, and then repeat as necessary. Sometimes it's a matter of practice, right? The first time is not going to be easy. Um, anything that you remember the first time you did it, you probably remember with some level of anxiety about worrying about the first time you did it. But the second time, not so much, and by the fifth time, you're just doing it because you do it, right? We all need to be raised up and reminded of the good gifts God has given us. Everyone needs encouragement in some way or another. And if we're to have the love of God flow naturally out of us, first we need someone to show us what it looks like and to encourage our growth. We have to imitate God's compassion toward others. And it's not always easy. I've had many mentors over the years who, who taught me and helped encourage me along my journey beginning with my parents and continuing today with good friends and role models. I'm sure you can think of people in your life who've done the same for you. And, and you're probably a role model for somebody else right now, even if you don't know it. How are you encouraging those around you? Who might you imitate in their compassionate love for others? And who might you model that kind of love to in return? Encouragement is the way we keep each other help, healthy as disciples of Christ. And the last one I'm going to go over is prayer. So Paul and his companions prayed day and night, it says, for the Thessalonian church. They prayed passionately. It's not just a casual thought that flits through your head. They prayed with focus and energy. Prayer is an essential ingredient for the life of love and compassion because it brings us before God on behalf of someone else. We take away our, our selfish thoughts and we turn them toward others and their needs. We ask God to act, to give someone strength, to heal them, to bless them, to grant them peace. But then what we do is we go out and work for what we pray for. So for example, I have a friend who's been ill so of course I pray for her to heal and to be whole. I pray for her comfort. But then I work toward that result by taking a meal to her when she needs one or by paying a visit at the hospital. So praying for others helps our eyes open to be more compassionate and loving to help meet their needs, but then we have to go meet their needs. And we don't only pray for our friends and loved ones. That's the easy part. We're to pray 
even for our enemies, right? Even for the people we don't like. Paul says, may the Lord cause you to increase and enrich your love for each other and for everyone in the same way as we also love you. For everyone. I remember telling a friend that somebody drove me crazy. No, it's not one of you. Even if it was, I wouldn't tell you. <laughs> and that friend, of course, said, pray for her. So I prayed. God, please change her. <laughs> Guess what? She didn't change. And then I realized I was praying for what I wanted, and I started praying for her needs. Guess what? She still didn't change. But I did. I learned to love her when I saw her through the eyes of my prayers with God's eyes. I had another friend, I, I had a friend call and say, can you give me a ride to this event? And I said, sure, no problem, I'll go out of my way to pick you up. And as she gets in my car, she says, you know, when I first met you, I didn't like you. This is the way to get a ride again. Right? <laughs> she says, um, I had to pray to see you differently. And her husband actually had to tell her, okay, that's just Lisa being Lisa, right? She had to pray to see me differently because we didn't understand each other. I'm a little sarcastic, and a little, and she doesn't have the sarcasm gene. So when I was being sarcastic, she was taking it literally or seriously, right? And yes, we're still friends. I didn't change. She didn't change. But our prayer helped us to meet and connect in a new and different way. We are thankful, encouraging, and prayerful in response to God's love for us and to reflect that love for others. And as we learn and grow, it strengthens our heart so that we can be better at it, love bigger, love broader. You may have read The Shack back in the day when it was the, the big deal to read. Um, it tells the story of Mac Phillips, whose young daughter is abducted during a family vacation. And um, evidence indicates that she's been murdered in, a, in an abandoned shack. And four years later, Mac gets a mysterious note inviting him to that very shack. The note purports to be from God. And in his visit, he meets God in the form of a wise woman. At one point, Mac questions God about the Trinity. And God speaks about the need for being three persons, yet entirely one. And in explaining it, God says, all love and relationship is possible for you only because it already exists within me, within God myself. Love is not the limitation. I am love. Over several conversations, Mac picks up a phrase that God uses extensively in this. He says, you seem to be especially fond of a lot of people. Are there any who are you not especially fond of? And God lifts, lifts her eyes as if writing down this list of every created being and says, no, I haven't been able to find any. Guess that's just the way I is. Paul seems to be writing that he's especially fond of the people of Thessalonica because they are of him as well. He says, and may the Lord make you increase and abound in love for one another and for all, just as we abound in love for you. So I want you to notice one final thing this morning, that each of these, thankfulness, encouragement, and prayer, have a vertical and a horizontal. I express my gratitude for what God has given me and who he is to me. 
how he loves me, and I respond with love and compassion for the community around me. I'm encouraged and lifted up through God's mercy and grace, and I respond by encouraging others and modeling as best I can what a disciple of Jesus looks like. I recognize God's blessings in my life, and I pray for others. And I take it further by trying to be the answered prayer when I'm presented with the opportunity. Can we spend our days encouraging, lifting others up, filled with gratitude? Lord, strengthen our hearts with your love. Amen. Lord, help us. Help us to be thankful, to see where we can be grateful. Help us to encourage others and to pray and stay connected to you. Let us, as Paul, pray that we may see people the way you see them and love them without hesitation. Lord, help your love strengthen our hearts. Amen. Stand, everyone, please.
we, as we respond to the Lord's word, help us to um, share what we've got. Help us to be generous, Lord. Help us to, to reach out in gratitude. Um, you're able to give online. You can give in person. We have lots of opportunities for you to serve, to engage. Um, please pray for us as we grow and change into whatever role that God has for us. And go forth from this place inspired to serve one another with gratitude and empowered by the love of God to do so. Go forth from this place to work in the company with all God's children, encouraged and encouraging to do God's work and God's will on earth as it is in heaven. That in praying for and loving and serving one another, the kingdom of God may come to this world through you. Amen. Be glorified. Be glorified.